0: Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're continuing on with the Concerns series again tonight, and this uh, this time it's the Inside Linebacker Group. Uh, obviously, Inside Linebackers in the past few years been a target of some coverage uh, issues. I'm sure we'll talk about that as well as some other uh, issues with the surprising amount of depth they've kept at the position. But joining me to do that is Gabe Ferguson. Gabe, how are you? Doing?
3: I'm doing well. Thank you for having me on again, Ken. I'm excited to talk about one of the more questionable positions on the Ravens' Seth chart.
0: Yeah, maybe not number one in terms of questionable anymore, but I agree. You're at Gabe Fergie on Twitter. Let's make sure people know to give you a follow right up front. Very good follow, Gabe is. So, uh, yeah, you'll get that sense from this, but let's just make sure you, you're, uh, you either are considering following him while you listen to this. Uh, Josh Bynes and uh, Patrick Queen, neither one has played a single snap this preseason.
3: Yeah, that's, um, I mean, we've seen them play last year. We, I don't know if there's anything to um, anticipate them being overly improved in that role. I mean, Bynes, I think, is who he is at this point. He's he's an older veteran. He's a little limited athletically. So he's definitely, I think, a cerebral player. You know, he's been around a long time. He's um, seen a lot of, you know, different offenses. He's played in a lot of different defenses. So I think you trust him from that, you know, aspect. But in terms of his athletic ability, I think he definitely is on the kind of the lower half of that scale. Um, you know, Patrick Queen is probably the opposite in terms of athleticism, but then he doesn't really have the cerebral potential that, you know, Bynes has. He's more inexperienced. He's seen. We've seen him be exposed in coverage throughout the first two years that he's played for the Ravens. So um, your two starting players right off the bat, you have concerns about.
0: I, I think we'll restate this slightly. We say he hasn't realized what's really cerebral potential he has. Meaning it, Potentially, it, yes. Yes. So we, we think, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't care to limit him ceiling-wise there because I don't know that we've seen that yet. But uh, he's a he's an uh, interesting player. He's one of the few who could take a really giant step forward this year, certainly not playing at a high level last couple of years. Uh, and, and this is a make-or-break year for him. You hear his parents say that this is this is always his third year that he breaks out, and I think he's made some comments that are similar to it uh, as well. The Ravens were comfortable enough to sit him the entire preseason, which I think is kind of a good sign.
3: Yeah, you know, I was honestly a little surprised about that because, you know, that's generally the treatment given to the uh, experienced, you know, veterans who you – had full confidence and you know, we even saw you know, Justin Matabike out there for a few snaps in the preseason someone who I thought was surprising to see that you know they came in in the same draft class um Matavike, in theory is a more impactful player more important player to the defense um, considering what his role is going to be um, but then not seeing Queen out there you know that's that's a choice that I mean I, I'm hoping means that they do have faith in him um I'm still a little concerned about him, but I do think like you said earlier, there is potential with him. He has that kind of athletic upside. And if he does kind of take that next step, then he potentially raises the, you know, the ceiling of what this defense can be, because that's kind of like your weakest position on this defense, in my opinion. And if he's, you know, someone who can actually elevate his game, then you really don't have a glaring
0: weakness on the demons at all. Yeah. I, I, uh, I think Matt is a great comp for starters because in tenure, in you know, certainly he's done more on the field so far, even though I think a lot of people would say Justin Matabike can do more for the for the Ravens. Uh he's done more on the field so far in two years than Patrick Queen has, but he he still got snaps and they had a lot of defensive linemen uh at least until that third game who were able to uh play and so they they, you know they were taking snaps from somebody even urban is getting nine ten snaps to just show what he can do I guess. Uh Kyle Fuller you know, we're not talking about inside linebackers here, but he came in and played 14 snaps in that second game because they're just not 100% sure where he is right now, despite the fact he's a veteran. All that put together tells me that they probably are a lot happier about where Patrick Queen is this year right now than where they have been in the past. I mean, there's no way he would have gotten this treatment as a rookie when. Uh, you know, he hadn't played the position a lot. And, you know, I don't think after his performance as at during his rookie year that he would have gotten it during his second year. In fact, they, they did play every season. So we know that he didn't get it during his second year.
3: Yeah. And I think if we look at, you know, Queen's career, you know, kind of path so far, I think we have seen some improvements from, you know, year one to year two, especially in his in his Ability to play the run and be a disruptive player in terms of you know his timing, his understanding of what the defense is, is doing, um, ability to kind of like shoot a gap and, and make a play in the backfield. We saw that a lot more in the second year um, than than what we did in the first year. So I think you know there might be this you know another forward step that we could see in, in the in the third year. Um, and and I think also last year what we saw was when he kind of got moved to the weak side role more so than the than the middle linebacker with with vines coming in playing more of the the mic role um that kind of allowed him to play a more natural role in the defense and i'm not entirely sure how that defense is going to look that's going to be the same kind of roles and responsibilities with mcdonald you know i think we've talked about that before with the outside linebacker position um it's, it's possible that you know he's players will have different roles and, and depending on what the coverages are, um, you know, they might be asked to do different things. Um, we might see Queen being more as an aggressive kind of downhill player, um, or as a blitzer on some of the passing downs, uh, and, re- and relying on, you know, maybe the safeties to cover, or maybe even an outside linebacker to cover it in some instances. So I'm, I'm hoping that he it really is able to step into whatever that, defiant role is and kind of master that um and maybe have more of a focus than what he's had in the past where i feel like at times he's felt like he had to maybe do too much on the field
0: i i think there's a lot of lot of truth in what you have just said but i i just i, I kind of work from process of elimination on this that we know Bynes and queen have both gotten this special treatment of sitting out and I admit the only surprise you're going to get from Josh Bynes is probably a bad one at this point. He's going to get old quickly or he's going to get hurt, one of those two. Uh, if, if he plays at, at the same level he has in the past, like in 19 or 21 for the Ravens, it would be an enormous positive surprise for this team in, in a sense. Not enormous, but a, 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 at least a moderate positive surprise if he could continue to, to, to play at that level. Um, but if they're both getting the time off, and it's pretty clear to me Bynes is in there as the mike linebacker and queen is the is the weak side at least on the downs that Bynes plays Yeah, and it may be that queen takes over a third down role at mike like board did last year allowing a safety to come in that's possible Uh, It's also possible they're going to replace with two safeties at the position. I think it would make a lot of sense. Don't know if it'll it'll happen on a weekly basis, but they they should have four safeties active every single game as long as they stay healthy.
3: Yeah, I I would think so. And we'll see how that looks, especially early on in this season, because the lack of depth at outside linebacker, I think is going to probably keep Mm -hmm. some more of the inside linebackers on the field. Um, more so than what we might have expected, you know, if they had the normal rotation that they've we've seen the past two years, with, with Bowser kind of being more of a coverage player on those passing downs, um, they don't have that specific player potentially in, in the way the defense is currently structured. So that might require, you know, more out of Queen. Um, and I, I think he is the logical player to be in that role. Um, if you want to have someone... In that linebacker type to to be out there, um, I would hope that he might not have the same responsibilities as we've seen with Bowser, because I don't think he's a good matchup in man coverage often with you know running backs or tight ends. That's not what he's shown to do well. Um, he might be a little bit more. Active in some of the passing lanes and, and some of these zone drops. I think he has, you know, the physical ability to, you know, get depth in his drops and, and you know, be someone who can actually help out a defense there. But he needs to be able to recognize and identify what's going on around him, recognize route concepts, and have that kind of next level processing that, you know, someone who's going into his third year, um, you, you would expect that out of him at this point.
0: Yeah, I as. I, I is- Needs to be not a complete mystery to him what's going on between level two and level three behind him without him looking at it He's got to figure it out off the line of scrimmage one thing you you said I'd like to inspect a little more though because I think that if if I had a role for Queen on third down it would be Not really spying the quarterback. They might be okay at that. It's it's really making sure that running back Doesn't get free on some sort of check down play You got a guy with a lot of speed and a lot of ability in theory to hit and tackle uh, we haven't seen great tackling, but but you know, hopefully that's something that's going to improve. It needs to, and staying with that player has something has been a problem for Queen these first couple of years. Uh, he needs to diagnose that running back's movement when it's a uh, a blocking situation. He, you know, obviously he's responsible probably for calling his own green dog mm-hmm. uh, under under those circumstances. So he's got to just do that very judiciously and carefully. And I know he he want probably to be in the backfield more at, when he sees a, a, a running back making any kind of a blocking situation. But he needs to he needs to be able to basically shadow that running back as needed to, to make a play on that. Uh, but think prevent some first downs that way and, and just do a better job of, of being a uh, careful containment player as opposed to the outrageous, um, speedy playmaker. I, I, I want, you know, obviously you want some of both but, but I definitely want to see the ability to do that first thing, you know, be a better containment, better play with his teammates, player um, than he's been so far these first two years.
3: Yeah, and, and I think if, you know, if that is his assignment, so to speak, on defense, when it's a, you know, a passing situation, you're saying, okay, Patrick Queen, keep your eyes on the running back, um, identify what he's doing. You mentioned the green dog if if the If the running back is staying in the block, you know, you come in and you try to, you know, come on delayed blitz, put some pressure on the quarterback, maybe be someone who wasn't expected. Um, and that that can be very effective in, in, in a defense. Um, and then if you can have the ability to also, you know, cover that player out of the backfield, then you're an effective defensive player for for the Ravens. And that's the part that I'm more skeptical about for the most part, because he has, you know, kind of been someone who hasn't shown the ability to stick with someone in, in coverage very well he, he's I don't know if it's something that he doesn't have the hips to do it or he is too nosy and, and keeping his eye on the quarterback and not paying attention to what his his receiver is doing but we've seen him you know get beat fairly regularly in those situations when he's been asked to do that in the past and, and that's the concern if he's asked to do that does he have that ability to kind of figure out how to you know take that to the next step whether it's a cerebral thing whether it's a physical thing you know not overthinking it and just allowing the game to kind of come to him and and not try to do too much. Like I said before, I think that's one of the things he's tried to do and he's maybe tried to make a play when he didn't need to. And instead he got beat and burned for, you know, whether it's a, a long completion or, you know, a run after the catch. We've seen that a few times with running backs as well. So that's what you definitely want to avoid in this defense.
0: Yeah. And he definitely would be put in more positions where he has to make a one-on-one open field tackle there. So that is already kind of stressing a couple of things he hasn't done all that well. One is to diagnose where that pass is going. And and just even, even when he's looking downhill at the running back, oftentimes he's late to react relative to other linebackers who seem to figure out what's going on from the other clues they get. Even linemen. I mean, linemen sniff out a screen pass. You know, very very easily. I, I just haven't seen that same kind of diagnosis of the move, move to the spot where the puck is going. You know, kind of as they say in hockey uh, from Queen that I that I would hope to uh, hope to see. But then also, you know, he's got to make that tackle in the open field when he's when he's there. He's got to have his speed. There's, there's going to be some tackle for loss opportunities there uh, on little swing passes and screen passes, and uh, it really ought to uh, be something that that uh, he can excel at. I, I want to point out, I want to move on from Queen here because we don't want to make the whole show about him, that um, we're all very much still hoping that Patrick Queen becomes that guy. But I don't think there's any any point in pretending like he already is that guy, already has been that guy. So, you know, when I'm critical of him, you know, I I, I really, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that he's taking whatever Method he needs to improve, whether that's, you know, positional coaching, coaching from his, uh, you know, his, his positional coaches in this camp or, or seeking his own positional coaching during the offseason, which is something I really hoped uh, he, he might have done. I don't know if he did or not. Um, but but whatever the whatever the means, I very much hope Patrick Queen takes a big step forward this year because there aren't a lot of players who could provide a lot of surprise upside for this Ravens team. And he's definitely one of them.
3: Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. And, you know, just to, to move on, I guess, to the next kind of question in this is if things go poorly for Queen and he doesn't take that next step, um, what is then, you know, the next option? Um, is, it, is it Josh Ross? Is, is he given, a you know, a chance to play some of these passing downs? We saw him, um, I, I thought, look pretty good um, as a, as a coverage, you know, linebacker. Um, in the preseason, obviously we don't have too much to work off of, but he does have you know some experience in the defense. He played you know last year at Michigan with with Mike McDonald, so he might have you know a leg up there in terms of being able to understand what his role is and understand you know what he's asked to do. Um, and you know they kept him on the defense for a reason. I don't think he was necessarily a standout special teamer. I think they saw potential with him on defense, and that's why they kept him um, because it wouldn't have really made sense to keep that many inside linebackers if you don't actually think there's a potential role for him. And, and maybe it's not this year, but I think they're looking ahead to future years. If, uh, with Josh Bynes, obviously, getting older, he probably won't be brought back. Um, and, and and also, you know, the other players are, are going to come up as free agents shortly. So he has the potential to you know, stick around and be someone who's a big part of the defense in, in the coming years.
0: And I think that's a very reasonable proposition. That he could be the third-down Mike on this team. The, the Ravens have liked specialists in the role. That's why they gave it to Board. Uh, they've given it to L.J. Fort in the past. You know, so it's it's been guys who have not necessarily been the starters pretty much since Mosley left. And I I I, I don't think that's unreasonable at all that Ross might be the guy that we all of a sudden say, oh, oh they're playing Ross on third down again. That in that opener against the Jets wouldn't shock me. Uh, I don't think we'll see Bynes on third down. I think that's that's, and then I think that leaves open a lot of different ways that you can do it. You can put on two safeties. You put on Queen and one safety. You can you can put on Ross and a safety. All of those, I would not be shocked to see any of
3: them. Yeah, and to me, I think Ross is like a, kind of the obvious next guy. I think Welch is is mostly just on the the roster for special teams purposes, and you know uh, Phillips was brought in, I think also for special teams That's kind of his calling, his calling card on the first couple of years he's been in the league. So I, I mean, maybe, you know, he's also a good coverage player and he might develop into that role too. I think there's always a chance for that. Um, so we, we could see, you know, a couple of other players potentially try out for that, you know, third down, dime linebacker, um, and see, um, who kind of fits the best, um, I don't know how long of a leash Patrick Queen will have in that role. I think he's definitely going to be, um, I mean, maybe not. Maybe he, maybe he said maybe Ross will come in um, in, in week one. It wouldn't surprise me. I, I would expect Queen to be out there at first and see how it, it works. And then, you know, if we have immediate issues, then it might be a backup plan for it.
0: Yeah, I think, I think, uh, I think it's possible. It, it's be an interesting challenge in this very first week because Joe Flacco, as we know, likes to make read one, read two, check that. And you're going to end up with a lot of passes to the running back uh, in all likelihood. And somebody is going to need to be efficient and effective at diagnosing and making tackles. So, whether that's Ross or Queen, I think we may see in this very first week.
3: Yeah. And, you know, the, the other name we haven't really mentioned yet is Malik Harrison. Um, I definitely don't see him being that player because. <laughs> I think he's, frankly, a little heavy-footed, um, especially at, at the inside linebacker position. I don't see him as someone who can you know, run with a, a running back or a tight end. Um, we saw him get exposed a little bit in the preseason in that role. He's been exposed in, that, in the regular season when he's played in the past. I think he's someone you would definitely not ideally have out there on third down or passing downs. Um, I like him around the line of scrimmage. I like him potentially in run defense. Um, he can take on you know, blockers. I think he, he, you know, he can, you know, take on and shed uh, pulling offensive linemen as well as anybody in this linebacking group. Um, but if he's asked to, you know, cover somebody out of the backfield, that's where I think you're putting him in a position where he's he's not going to do well. So, you know, he's someone who might be asked even to set the edge a little bit for this team. So I, th- I think his role is, is a, in a different kind of Area area entirely. Unless it's like some easy drops in zone coverage where he's asked to cover the flat. But that's that's kind of the extent of what I would expect him to do in terms of his coverage role.
0: Yeah, I'd agree. I think I think we, we won't see too much in coverage out of him. He made some plays in the preseason. It was nice to see him I uh, get a forced fumble in the first game and he made other plays too. Missed a few tackles too. Missed a big tackle on Malik Willis at about the four yard line, um, that didn't look so good. But uh, uh he's he's I I would say in terms of what I saw it was more positive than negative in the preseason, certainly. And, and he's a player who I think upped his stock from that. In fact, I'd look at it and say he could legitimately be the backup at either the Mike or the will. Uh, if Queens, Queen or Bynes were to go down.
3: Yeah, I think um, that is probably true. And I think if he is, you know, that player um, who's in there on early downs, I would expect him to not be the guy who's on the field on third down. So I think there would be a platoon that happens if, if there was an injury to one of the starting linebackers. I do think he would have more of a role on the defense, obviously, on, on first and second down. But after that, I think he's going to be put off the field unless there's you know some serious issues with, with the depth.
0: If you go back a few years, the Ravens have done more than just the platooning I've talked about on the weak side. Where they've they've had two different guys. Basically, they've had you know somebody in there for for, for two downs, and then a variety of players. Frankly, uh, in there at, at dime back thereafter. But if you go back far enough, it, they actually had a three down platoon. If you go back in 2009 2010 era, where they would they would have a dime back, but they would have McLean be their first down back, and under certain second down, like second and long, they brought in Danell Ellerby. To, to be the will, and then they bring in a, a, a dime back on third down. A, a very, um, that's a very complex platoon that basically is implying that you have probably a lot, a lot of linebackers you like. I think if it happens on this year's Ravens team and, and we see it, it has a very good chance to work with this group because I do see some specialization in them. Uh, you know, Ross probably more of a coverage guy. I, I, you know, we're going we're going to wait and see about how good a tackler Ross ends up being. I'm I'm not there yet. But but he might he might turn out to be a, you know a good solid, you know 91% tackler and inside linebacker backer that we would like. Um you know it, with with Welch, I think you have a guy who can take a series from vines. He certainly did it during this last uh last year or two years. Last he year, was I mostly last year. Yeah. And then Joe Thomas was also with the team last year. I got Time's running together for me here, but I, may have, I they each had time. Yeah, it was last year, because Harrison was uh, active but being punished, so he, he was not getting those snaps.
3: Yeah, and, and the one thing that um, I think is at least I think we're going to see is that most, if not all, of these linebackers I expect to be active on game day for special teams reasons. Um, because I don't think Queen and Blinds are going to play special teams for you, so... I would expect at least three of these players to be around and probably core special teamers for you. So they will, I think, be active. So that gives you that option to do some unique platooning. If you think there are specific roles, specific downs and distances where they can come in and have, you know, a role in a certain coverage situation and certain, you know, you know, packages or coverage schemes that you want to run with them. And I don't know how much that would kind of tip off the offense as to what you're doing if you're being very specific about it. But I think that, um, you know, if they have unique skill sets that, you know, match up to a certain kind of situation on the field, you may as well take advantage of it.
0: Yeah, I think there's there's another kind of, well, there's multiple hidden advantages to it. There's a big advantage to platooning in terms of the salary cap is that it's much easier to find three guys who can do the three things that CJ Mosley does well at his level Rather than finding one guy who is C.J. Mosley, and what you have to pay for that guy if you if you uh, if you want him, so it's it's a lot cheaper to to have specialists. It's a lot easier to replace if they get hurt. You know, it's just your, your, your drop off is usually not as great in terms of bringing in another specialist of that same type. And that's that's one of the reasons why at running back the Ravens have been so successful in uh, finding replacements. Now, this is a bad year to be saying that, you know, the year after they had a bunch of older, slower guys on the on the roster. But uh, they really have been successful over the last decade or so in terms of finding running backs who could come in and do something positive for the team on a, on a stylistic fit basis. But, uh, but the, other, the other thing that I don't think we talk about enough is how much better you can play defense at any position if you're playing 22 or 28 snaps as opposed to if you're playing 65 snaps and you're really an every down player. And it, it, it's just it, it is a difference. They do on the defensive line. You rotate very carefully. When the Ravens have rotated cornerback, I think it's generally worked with uh, with Humphrey with getting Averick play. Humphrey won the MVP award. And he didn't he didn't play anywhere close to the full set of snaps over the course of the year. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm I'm always for defensive rotation when you have a reasonable solution to apply.
3: Yeah, and I think, you know, with the amount of of packages that you're kind of taking on and off the field to match with, you know, a more and more complex offense often, um, it it makes sense to be specialized in that way. And I think, you know, giving your players, you know, a break here and there, a breather as they need it, um, as offenses change personnel, that allows you to stay fresher and, you know, be a little more active on the field, like especially in longer drives, you know, some of these drives, Last eight, nine minutes, 12, 15 plays. If you're out there for the entire time, then you can start to get warmed down. That's 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 a re- definitely part of the, the process. And if you can sub in a couple of fresh players and not have a drop off in performance or have an increased, improved performance, and I think that makes sense to do that.
0: Yep, absolutely. So we talked about Welch a little bit. Deshaun Phillips is a guy we haven't really mentioned. But I don't. I don't think. I mean, you you did mention. I think that he's a special teams guy, and I think you're right about that. I think one of those four guys is going to be inactive come week one, just because they've got to get their inactives from somewhere. And it's, it's even have an interesting situation on the offensive line. And I, I wouldn't say I got into it, but but you know, a difference of opinion today was somebody all over whether Cologne or Faolele makes more sense to sit. And one of the questions you know I have in this very first week is, does it make sense to have um, only? three offensive tackles with McCarry being your third offensive tackle if you know stanley is out and my own opinion is i don't want to i don't hope you don't want to play that i don't want to do that uh, i'd much rather have an extra offensive tackle even if it's not necessarily a particularly good one in in follow uh maybe he could do something else for you maybe he comes in in a jumbo package and goal line you know is out there in the old Halodi not a position plays fullback throws a pass, goes out for one, whatever it might be. Uh, Probably a lot of ways he can do something different for you.
3: Yeah, I think, I mean, we're not talking linebackers anymore, but um, Falele would be the guy that I would probably keep active over Cologne because Mm -hmm. you have Makari. He can play center for you if you need him to. So you don't necessarily need to have two players who are active who can fill in at center. And I I know Makari is potentially also asked to – be back up at you know, right tackle potentially at guard, but I think you know Cleveland's probably your first player up at either guard position. So unless you have so. a slew of injuries happening across the offensive line, that's kind of the nice part about having a Patrick macari who's available. You can fill in in multiple different roles, so you don't necessarily have to have uh, Tristan Cologne, um active. I think he's kind of just a player you have just in case something happens um and, and there's a player who has to either go on ir or is out for for a couple weeks and and needs to have some time and then he can be someone who you know is is that final line lineman but i think for the most part he's just he's probably going to be the enacted every week
0: right uh we'll we'll see how that goes because they obviously like him in some of their schemes they probably think he, he knows how to run it, you know he, he knows how to how to run the normal scheme that they use. So it, it wouldn't surprise me if they kind of won him there. Um, but on the other hand, I mean, it, the way I look at it is you, you, by having McCarry, you have a ninth offensive line that effectively, because you can play either tackle or guard, I'll, I'll tell yeah. you in the, in the way I'm thinking of this. So if you're your interior offensive line, you have a five to make three situation with McCarry being one of the five. But on the outside, you have a four to make two situation with McCarry being one of the four also. And that seems a lot safer to me than bringing Cologne on. And then you have a six to make three on the inside, but you have a, a three to make two on the outside. That just scares me. So I, I anyway, I, I I much prefer having uh, uh, having uh, uh, Falele right now active over Cologne. I guess if Stanley came back, I'd probably feel differently about
3: it. Yeah, I agree. If Stanley is available, then then you have four players who you feel comfortable with at tackle. And Falele, I think, is the obvious kind of – Inactive. And then you might even inactivate Cologne too. You might not, you might have, you know, I think it makes sense to have eight offensive linemen. I don't know if you need nine, um, but I think it's, as we speak right now, if, if if Stanley is going to be inactive and it looks like he is going to be inactive at least for the first week, um, then I think your, yeah, your obvious player you would want would be Falele. And, you know, he, I think he can probably come in and play right tackle for you in a pinch. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if something happens there, um, to, to Morgan Moses or and, and Makari is not an option there for some reason and if something also happens to Juwan James and you can have you know maybe Moses move to left tackle and you can have Falele play right tackle so you have options you have flexibility there and that's something that is definitely a, b- a bonus um, considering you know you never know how, how the, the injuries will shake out so you just you hope everybody stays healthy but you want to plan for the worst possible circumstance.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's go back to linebacker because I, 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 I think I cut us off here. Uh, Welch now in year three, I believe, right? Yeah. And so uh, he'll he'll enter camp next year and there'll be a real question about whether he stays around. But that's true also of Queen and Harrison. Uh, Queen obviously playing for his fifth year, fifth year tender, fifth year option yep. this year. Uh, Harrison uh, playing, I guess, for a potential early extension if he were to really break out this year. You know, that would be the that would be, I guess, be the goal. Um, But I think I agree with you that if they're looking at cross at this group, Ross is the guy who is the real youth. He's two years earlier on the age curve or the option devaluation, if you want to call it that, uh, than any of the other players. And it just appears like if they were to get him snaps this year and they find out what they have uh, and he ends up being good, it actually allows them to make choices on these third year players. And, Frankly, if Harrison doesn't play this year, and certainly if this is true of Welch as well, if if you know if he doesn't get time on the defense, they're both bubble players entering next camp.
3: Yeah, I don't even know if I would expect Welch to be around next year because I think he would be a restricted free agent, would you sure. not? So he would have a pretty hefty tender, even if he's given like the um, non-round tender, and you might give him like a one-year deal. Um, but I I don't see him as a lock to make the roster at all.
0: I, I agree. The tender is not guaranteed so they can offer it to him. And, or, I mean, first of all, it's probably just a um, low, low tender that they would give given. And then anybody else coming in at, the Ravens have the opportunity to match it. But if he, if he goes through camp with the Ravens and he just doesn't make the team because he's not as good as the other linebackers, you, you're not on the level for that one.
3: Hmm, okay. yeah, That makes sense.
0: Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I'm, I'm not sure it'll happen that way. But they're, they're the, the way the CBA is is constructed, movement of fourth year players is pretty damn rare. And Board was a special case this year, a player who uh, the Ravens actually lost, um, uh, despite offering him something. I think. Uh, so
3: I no did they not
0: tender him? I guess they didn't I think tender. They, him. I think
3: they gave him a one year contract last year, and I think last year was his fourth year, and they they allowed him to walk in in free agency. I think. I think this was this is his fifth year now, if I'm remembering correctly. I might be wrong on that.
0: I will take your word for that. Um, I don't know. I don't have it right up in front of me, but but I'll take your word for it, certainly. Um, all right. So, uh, Delshawn Phillips, expecting anything from him other than special teams this year?
3: Um, I don't think so, but I don't know enough about him to, to really give much of uh, – Uh, much of a comment on it I I think he hasn't really played much um so it's hard to know for sure um and he hasn't played we haven't seen him play at all for the Ravens so Mm -hmm. I haven't you know watched his film um I I did note that he was a special teams player and that's why I kind of slashed onto that because that's something that makes sense um in terms of what the Ravens are probably looking for, because they didn't have the reserve outside linebackers on the, on the team. You know, the, the tight ends they have on the roster, aside from Josh Oliver, probably aren't going to be core special teams players for you. Um, so I, I think that made sense to kind of fill out a position where, um, you know, you can get that value and, and potentially figure out if they have any defensive value for you as well.
0: Right. Last year for the Jets, he played 160 defensive snaps, but he played 384, 384, or 374, one or the other. Uh, let's pick a 374 on special teams. So clearly that's pretty much his role. And it's a tough group to crack, frankly, for being sixth on the depth chart. So if he's if he's around, I think he'll be – if he's if he's active, I think he'll be a special teams player. Interesting pickup. I just didn't – I didn't see it. I, I – I, the other thing I would ask about this group, you got a six, a six man group. Does that make you think any more that there's a possibility of Harrison or Phillips spending some time at outside linebacker?
3: I mean, I, I've kind of been saying that Phillips or not Phillips, I'm sorry, Harrison might have some, some role there just because of how physical he is um, at the of scrimmage. I think he does have the ability to kind of set the edge for you. Um, and, and, we also, you know, have seen a pretty vanilla kind of look from Mike McDonald in the preseason. And and maybe we'll see some different, you know, maybe even fronts on, on defense and that could kind of push Harrison to more of like a, a traditional, you know, stand linebacker in a, a four-three scheme. Um, I, I don't know if that's in the cards for what for what the Ravens want to do. They've been a three-four team pretty heavily for you know the, the better part of this this uh I would I guess the past two two decades really. Um So I I don't have too much expectation for that to happen. There could be certain, you know, looks where they do show an an even front. Um, But I I mean, I think his role is probably going to be minimal in that maybe because he like 10 snaps a game outside to give somebody a, a rest, whether it's, it's, Houston, you know, taking a few snaps off, or we taking a few snaps off and just having someone rotate in there. And um, we'll probably see someone caught up from the practice squad to play outside linebacker as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that'll be my expectation. So I think there will be some potential room for some snaps there for Harrison, but um, it, it's really going to really going to depend on, you know, hopefully not having any injuries at that position because, and, if that happens, then you might be forced to have him play out there.
0: Right. I, I yes. Yeah, so hopefully that does not happen. But I would agree with you. I think I actually think the Ravens used both of their practice squad elevations this week at outside linebacker. The only reason they wouldn't. Uh, Is because they they see the need to get through more than a few games with both Means and Fakrell, and and they don't have they think they don't have the roster spots for them, so they're going to say, well, we can only call up one per week, kind of on a rotating yeah. basis until we do two. But I, th- I honestly believe against the Jets, we'll see both of them elevated for the game. I, I I think it's easier to find the guys who shouldn't be uh, who you can afford to have inactive like Oliver and. Um, Two offensive linemen and you know some other players that, that just make more sense.
3: Yeah, they, I, I could I could see both of them come up in, the, in this first week. Um, I'm the one that would surprise me a little bit would be Fackrell just because he's basically only been on the team for for a week. So unless you're giving him a very specific role and saying you know we're going to ask you to do you know a very minimal, very stripped down kind of job here, um, he probably might need a little bit more time to kind of figure out what what he's going to be doing but you know he has been around the league for a little bit i think it's his sixth year so and he's he's played mostly in three four defenses so he i think he knows you know what would be expected out of him um at at the kind of you know sam position that where, where he would be you know put on the field so you know there is potential for him to come in and play right away but he was also released with an injury designation, so I'm not sure if there's anything going on with there with that either. So I, I'm not sure exactly how long it's going to take for him to get up and ready with this.
0: He hasn't showed his limited in any way on the Ravens' practice uh, on the injury reports. So hopefully, you know, he's he's available for this. Actually, he's not on the roster, so he doesn't make the injury report. That's a that's a. You may have a point there you may have a point there. Uh he's got 23 and a half career sacks. He's been around for the league for 6 years previous to this. He's not a spring chicken. He's not a guy who who needs to learn the game of football all over again. So if it's just basic edge setting as an outside linebacker, I think he at least has a, a schooling in that that he can work with.
3: Yeah, and and frankly, you know, he might have a little bit more juice to him than than Means does. I mean, mm-hmm. he's he's been more of an impactful player in his career. Um he's not he's a little younger. Um so if, if, they're, if they're both on the field at some point and one of them looks looks better than the other, it's possible that, you know, when, if and when um, Bowser gets back, um, there will be a decision made to, to release one of them. Um, or, or maybe they'll just stay on practice if they want to keep that flexibility.
0: Right. I, I think that's pretty likely is that they... The, the, Both of them are the reason. Another reason to bring them up both as practice squad elevations in week one is that if you bring them up to the roster in week two, and you're taking a very minimal risk to get them through to that point. In fact, I don't know if they've they've got protections on this week or not. Uh, But if they do, they could both be on the protected list already and be be not people who could be stolen at this point. But if, if you if you elevate them on for the second game of the year, then they're not. You're paying them week to week anyway so you, you have the you have that nice flexibility to let him go when when and if bowser returns and if your death holds up while when he does yeah yeah i agree all right always a pleasure to talk football with you my friend i i just uh i'm jealous of you getting to go to las vegas and and enjoy this uh first weekend of football but on the other hand we're going to new york we get to see the game too, so. oh, you're going you're going to the
3: game that's exciting yeah. Um, yeah, I like, I like Las Vegas in week one. It's it's kind of, you know, the start of the season, you might be able to get an edge in a couple of, of games. If you, if you think, you know, the NFL better than the sports books do. So (laughs) it's always fun to kind of have, have a little bit of fun in the first week.
0: Well, I hope it works out better this, uh, this year than last in terms of the result of the game too, while you're out there with that miserable loss to Las Vegas.
3: Yeah, you don't have to remind me about how that went. <laughs> that was not a pleasant evening.
0: <laughs> Weird situation here. We walked out of the stadium when we thought they had scored the game-winning touchdown. Turned out they had it. And I uh, we actually walked in opposite directions by Jordan and Gabe, Maureen and I did. And we said, oh, I, oh, the game sucked. And you know, then we walk onto the bridge, and it looks like there's been some sort of accident or war is broken out or something off in the distance and everybody's looking at the stadium to try and look through the glass to see the video and you know the ravens didn't lose the game then they got an interception they had the ball back at the 20 and then from there we got to see you know the 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 turnover that lost the football game but anyway (laughs) yeah that that was
3: quite the sequence of events um it it seems like that was a lot longer ago than a year ago but it was only a year ago.
0: It's amazing they recovered from a game like that to be contenders for as long as yeah. they were. Like this, but anyway, we are really appreciate having you on, Gabe. Where can folks find your work online?
3: Yeah, um, you can find me on Twitter at Gabe Fergie. Um, very active on that website. You know, like to interact with everybody and, and give you know opinions back and forth, have some discussions about the Ravens, about you know Orioles or, or other NFL um, NFL topics, um, and then also have a podcast the raven situation room on filmstudybaltimore.com uh, we actually just recorded a podcast last night with uh, with jordan co and that is up on the website now we, we kind of just did a position by position breakdown of of the ravens going into the 2022 season where we see some strengths where we see some weaknesses um, some potential areas of concern um, and then just a quick you know um Kind of preview of the jets game and, and what our ex- expectations for the season are going to be so i you know appreciate uh listening to that um i think you know jordan and i do a, a pretty good job of of trying to keep it interesting and, and as the season progresses we'll be recording after each game and and breaking down you know how how the game progressed some of the important plays some of the key plays some of the strategy that went into it so uh keep a lookout after every ravens game and, and give us a listen
0: all right. Always looking forward to it. Definitely a, a show you want to include in your regular rotation of podcast during the week uh, on Monday, too, because that's uh, that's before film studies out. You have film study on Tuesday and Wednesday uh, to listen to, to, to. Talk about a little more in depth in, in the offensive defense. A little I, I, I'm not being a comparative there, but, but, but in, in depth for uh, usually a long period of time. Uh, if you're out there and you'd like to do a film study short, hit me up with a DM on Twitter. I'll get right back to you. Uh, otherwise, thanks for thanks for being uh, loyal fans, listening to these uh, shows all off-season. We're starting up our new regular season of content for you. Uh, spread the word if you can and uh, hit the subscribe button on your podcast app. Uh, always appreciate that. Uh, thanks a lot for joining again, Gabe.
3: Yeah, thanks for having me. Always always enjoy being on the show and look forward to the next time.
0: And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study.